0: This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at MediaWeek.com.au.
1: Welcome to a new Media Week Podcast. We're going to be talking Twitter again today. This is the second of a series of Twitter podcasts we're doing in uh, 2017. Joining us today, Ollie Wilton, Head of Sports Partnerships at Twitter Australia. Hi, Ollie.
0: Hi, James. Thanks for having me. That's all right. That's all right.
1: Now, you've you've been at Twitter for a little
0: while, haven't you? Yeah, so I've done, uh, just coming up to four years at Twitter. Yes. So uh, we were sort of first on ground back in 2013, and then I spent the first sort of three and a bit years working on the sort of brand side of things. So working as part of the sales team's brand strategy, brand development, and then I've been in the current sports job um, just under five months now.
1: Okay. Okay. And what was your background before you um, before you signed on at Twitter? What did you do?
0: I started life as a digital copywriter down at Expedia, um, and then I've been sort of agency side of all the tracks for a long time. So I've run social media departments in advertising agencies. Uh, I was doing over that over here up until 2013, um, and for. Two of the previous years, I'd become Twitter's first and biggest customer in Australia. Oh, really? So I'd started working with them from the other side of the fence Uh and sort of bringing their products over here, um, taking it out to my clients for ComBank and Vodafone. Um, And then we just built up a relationship from there. So when they decided to set up a local shop, I threw my hat in the ring, and here we are. So you're a bit of an advocate? Out of the platform? Yeah, very much so. Um, It was a really good grounding going out and sort of working on the other side of things because I was taking Twitter out to partners and advertisers and sort of evangelizing it. Um, Yes. Being part of a very small team when we first started, I think there was four of us when we first kicked off, you had the opportunity to wear a lot of hats. So one day I was a sales guy, the next day I was a brand strategist, and then a big part of my role was evangelising, going out and talking events, going out meeting partners and clients and uh, explaining the benefit and potential of Twitter and um, sort of deconstructing the platform for them. So, yeah, it was a really exciting time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, socials, you've been... You're a big. Do you use other social platforms? Are they sort of
0: in and out? I mean, yeah. I'm. This sounds a bit sycophantic, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Twitter guy. Uh, it's it's such a simple tool, but people yeah. use it in a sort of a million different ways. Mm-hmm. And once you've got used to a platform where it's people saying, "Hey, look at this! Look at this interesting thing I found." Rather than talking about themselves, it's quite hard to go back. And it's. Sure. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a very sort of regular occurrence for me. It's how I stay in touch with my dad back in the UK. Um, he's okay. a big DM guy. It's how I'm a bit of a news and trivia junkie, so I stay on top of that. And this job, I mean, sport never really sleeps, and you have to have a pretty sort of broad reach and understanding what's going on around the world, so there's no better place for that than Twitter. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm present on the others from a sort of competitor angle and from sort of keeping in touch with other people in different ways, but Twitter's my sort of mainstay. Yeah, now the
1: role of, uh, tell us a little bit about the scope of your role looking after to sports partnerships, what sort of stuff do you do?
0: Yeah, so it's my role to go out and work with anyone from the um, organizations, from the leagues, from the broadcasters, teams down to the talent, and then sort of the media around that um, sort of side of the business. And it's my job to go out and work with them and sort of bring them as close to their fans and their customers as possible, and then in reverse, bring the fans and sort of followers and um, sort of sport-loving Australian public as close to those organizations and leagues as they can. So it works in a couple of different sort of uh, verticals. Part of what I do is going out and helping them gain the reach they need, so making sure they've got the latest tools, the best practice, they understand um, what's available as a platform and where we're going to make sure their tweets go as far and fast as they possibly can. Then um, a big pillar of what we do is innovation. Mm -hmm. So it's not just how can we solve your Twitter problems, it's bring your organizational problems, bring your business problems or challenges, and then see what we can do. We've got a great data team, we've got a great brand strategy team, and we love solving problems in innovative ways. We've got an incredibly diverse sort of creative canvas on Twitter. We're very sort of flexible, we love changing and breaking things, so a big part of what we're doing is keeping up this solid reputation we've got as being a real innovative marketplace in Australia. And then increasingly, um, a lot of what I do is around revenue. So we've got great partners who bring amazing content to the platform every single day um, and have been doing it for sort of free for a long time. So now we're introducing tools and sort of revenue share agreements to make sure they can monetize their content, which also allows them to amplify it and take it out to a bigger audience. So it's It can be all three of those things at once they're not mutually exclusive some people i work out of one of the three sometimes when we sort of go really deep with partners all three of those things come together
1: okay i'll dig into a couple of those things you've just mentioned as as we get through this podcast um you and sports what, what sort of got them to think you'd be good for sport and what was the attraction to you of working in sport
0: yeah. Well, when we first started up Twitter Australia over here, um, I used to go out, we had a, another guy, Jono, who was running all our sports yeah. partnerships. Is so that uh, Jono Simpson? Jono Simpson, yep. yeah. So he did his four years and uh, he's now sort of moved on. Um, yeah. I was happy to jump into his shoes pretty quickly. But we did a lot of meetings together because sports has always been a passion of mine. So I saw a big opportunity. If we were going to crack the Australian market is we had to speak the language of sport. It's mm-hmm. something that touches everyone in this country. They're fanatical, they're passionate. And Twitter makes a huge amount of sense to sort of sports teams, organisations. And fans. We see some people just use Twitter for live sporting events or to follow their favourite athletes. So we used to go out on a lot of meetings together, and I was always quite jealous of him with his takeaways and what he got to do after them. Um, And being sort of British coming over here is, sport was a complete sort of obsession of mine back home. I'm a big rugby and soccer guy, and I love my cricket. So it's been really exciting. I've lived here for seven years, sort of getting up to speed with how you do things over here. And uh, yeah, it's been fantastic getting my sort of education in AFL and sort of rugby league and how you guys do things a bit differently over here
1: yeah you like your cricket, you'd be very excited about the prospect of um, uh, the uh, Ashes tour coming up this year, and the, the English might get here, and they might be like a C-grade Australian yeah, team exactly. they'll be playing, so you know, the, yeah. if you, if you, now's a good time to be
0: betting on England. I Dust off thought. your spikes, so yeah, <laughs> anyone's up for grabs. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not been the easiest season for me, I'm a Souths fan, a Swans fan, and a Waratahs fan, so okay. the first half of the season hasn't been particularly plain sailing, but yeah. Yeah,
1: who's your EPL team? You got a- uh, Liverpool. Yeah? Yeah, okay. So- so okay, we just, just, just here in. recently, of course, yeah? Yeah,
0: came good at the end, so. Yes,
1: yeah, yep. okay, okay. Um, I'm interested in some of the, um, just, just talk to us about some of the best cased examples of people who, who really use, um, in, in your field sport in Australia, yeah. maybe uh, some of the teams or the uh, codes that you think, you know, best show off what, what Twitter can be used for.
0: Well, while we're talking about Cricket Australia, I think they do a phenomenal job and they're held up globally as sort of best practice. They've really of
1: supercharged of their digital uh, offering the last couple of years particularly, haven't
0: they? Absolutely, and they're very smart in terms of how they've sort of structured their rights and held on to as much of that as they possibly can. Uh-huh. But the thing they do that I think is most powerful is they talk like a fan and they don't just wait till Australia's playing cricket. Cricket's happening all around the world, sort of all throughout the year, and they know that their followers and their fans aren't just interested in... Uh, cricket, the Australian cricket team, sure. they're fans of the sport. So they cover everything that's happening around the world, all the women's league increasingly, which is a huge growth area for them and for us on Twitter. Um, and they talk like fans. They mix in sort of news light-hearted, they have opinions, um, and they, they sort of put a bit of heart into it and a bit of soul into it. And that gives it a bit of personality, which sort of reacts with fans and causes them to engage and retweet it and take it to a bigger audience. Um, in terms of... Uh, the NRL and AFL obviously do a fantastic job in terms of always on. You can pretty much follow a whole weekend's of sport just by following their Twitter feeds. If you can't get in front of a telly, um, and they're innovating all the time. I mean, for league, uh, state of origin this year. Uh, The NRL actually produced 123 bespoke GIFs from classic origin moments and then started tweeting about it and pushing it out ahead of time so people could load up on those GIFs so when the games were actually happening and the build up and the fallout, they were armed with something sort of rich and compelling to actually tweet out and engage in that conversation so we're seeing great constant innovation from those guys and they're fantastic partners. Um, and then down to athlete levels. I mean, I think Daniel Ricardo is fantastic on Twitter. He's very raw. His personality shines through whether it's doing a shui with Patrick Stewart or after he won in Azerbaijan um, last uh, weekend. Some of his tweets off the back of that were fantastic. And it, you could tell they hadn't been through a filter. And it was just him enjoying himself and sort of having this stream of consciousness and sort of peeling that into Twitter. Um, and then people like, I think Mitchell Johnson does a good job on Twitter. He's not particularly sort of outspoken in, in producing original tweets, but he reacts to fans and he reacts to organizations. And he's very sort of dry and sort of pithy on there. Um, Dangerfield does a good job. If you yep. have a look down his yep. feed, he sure. does everything from GIFs to videos to images okay. to just sort of pithy little captions, and he really takes advantage of all the sort of different sort of creative elements we've got on the platform. Um, and then... When you have a look down at like, someone like Andrew Bogart, <laughs> who uh, has very little filter on the platform and lets people know exactly what he thinks. And, yeah. and that's great for Twitter because that's what people come to it for. They can read press releases or they can see polished press conferences in a million different places. But getting that raw outburst of, sort of emotion and viewpoint, Twitter's the world's biggest collection of ideas and sure. um, viewpoints. And we get these great Australian sports stars chipping into that. And then when you go internationally, I, mean, I think if you have a look at the Golden State Warriors, they, they're best in class for me in terms of just how much they tweet and how they understand the fans and how they – it's very much a two-way conversation. And then some of the stars were there, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Durant uh, took on some fairly uh, opinionated users on there in a fantastically positive way. We see Steph Curry before each game just do the same simple tweet, lock in Dub Nation, and that does amazing retweets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw something like uh, Sean Lynch from the Seattle Seahawks actually retired on Twitter. He announced his retirement at halftime in the Super Bowl two years ago just by sending out a simple tweet of his cleats being hung up. So, yeah, it's, it's that sort of access and that sort of behind-the-scenes and real-time content that you can't really get anywhere else. Yeah, the,
1: um, yeah, you mentioned some of those Aussie sports. Um, you know, the AFL has a massive sort of media department. They do some good work. And I think the NRL is sort of rebuilding theirs and they're going to be investing a lot more money in, in what they do with, with their sport. But I think um, and NRL, for me, really does well. Some of the graphics and the... I mean, we do a lot of um, uh, sporting tv results the ratings yep. we we sort of flood out twitter feed with that on weekends gets us really good engagement with with our with our audience and um The NRL is the best provider of, I love those graphics that have the score of a game, that they get them up, which is something that really, I think, translates well for people when you're quickly looking for results.
0: Absolutely. The
1: AFL did that for a while. They stopped doing it for a while. They're back onto it this season, which I love. So I think little things like that are are just really important and probably shouldn't be overlooked.
0: And a lot of that comes down to what we call planning for the moment. Mm -hmm. Because Twitter is real time and looks spontaneous, you can actually do a lot of legwork ahead of time. And that's what the NRL does fantastically. They've got all this data all this information they know people will be interested in if they package it up in the right way they've got the bunker they've got all these different feeds and viewpoints coming in so they prepare those templates they get those gifts out ahead of time so when the moments do unfold on twitter chuck the score in and publish and away you go away they go
1: yeah absolutely yep Uh, and without maybe you don't want to name specific ones but do you work sort of behind the scenes with particular sports people and helping if they show some interest in sort of maybe turning them into power users if you like is that sort of assistance there if they want it
0: absolutely it's i mean it's not the most scalable part of our business so we'd love to go out and do sessions with every athlete in Australia sure. but it's just sort of yeah, yeah. myself doing this for now, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely, there's a, and the nice thing is there's a lot of users who um, have come back to the platform since we've made a lot of recent changes and made it a lot more visual and we've, we're growing and we're getting a lot more sort of smart integrations with TV so they're seeing this as what lives on Twitter doesn't just live and die on Twitter, it can go a lot wider so we're having quite a few um, Olympians come back to us at the moment with a view to the Commonwealth Games coming up okay. and we're running sessions with them in terms of how to get the most out of the platform, how to tell your story and now a lot of the sort of ex Athletes have got different agendas. They're involved in different charities or different organisations or they're starting media careers. So it's not just them talking about as an athlete. They can actually touch on lots of different things that are important to them. So, yeah, we do run sort of masterclasses if people reach out to us or sure. we go and sort of work with individuals. Or you work with a, with a code or something and, and they can share those learnings you give them Exactly. With that's, their that's a more realistic way to do it. That's the, the morph yep. we do. We work with the teams, get that installed, and then they can trickle it down throughout their organisation. Sure. Although I'm sure if
1: Patrick Dangerfield rang up, up you'd
0: probably
1: you'd spend a few minutes on the phone with him if, yeah, if you wanted to. Mate, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although he might have a few tips for us. He's such a good practitioner. Yeah. Tell me if I asked you about sports that sort of bat above their average, if you'll excuse the sporting um, pun there, in, in terms of maybe use the platform well, um, And the bigger, almost better social media users than the size of their sport is. Do you know what I mean? Like more obscure sports that that really do well?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, if you look at uh, some of the motorsports, they do a fantastic job. I mean, Channel 10 is a great partner in terms of that. And they, again, they wrap up their content incredibly well. They understand that if you're following them on Twitter, you don't need to speak to them like they're a lightweight casual fan. You can get right into the weeds on it, and you can talk to them about the stuff that they get really passionate and excited about. I think netball um, are sort of coming into their own. They've started to sort okay. of produce a lot more sort of um, engaging so content. They had that new national code this year, didn't they? The yeah, new, and there's a yeah. couple more new tournaments coming up later okay. on in the year, which are going to lead more towards the sort of um, big bash-style field, which mm-hmm. is – drives a lot more conversation because it's very much in the moment and happening and moving a lot faster. And then if you look a little bit further down the ladder, things like surfing, which is a huge participation sport in Australia. And because it's such a visual sport, it lends itself very neatly to Twitter. So some of the sort of live streams, the live highlights they put up there, you can pretty much follow a whole surf comp. You can have the Fox um, channel running in the background and then Twitter in your hand to keep coming up, get those sort of replays in real time and on demand. sure. Sure. Interesting stuff. I know uh, you mentioned the um, uh, different
1: th- the changes that have been made. One of the big focuses, I think, at uh, Twitter is streaming uh,
0: live content. Yeah. And uh, tell me now, sports, part of that? 100%. Um, a, g- a great example and one I should have mentioned in the previous question in terms of uh, an organisation or a league that bats above average is eSports. Okay, So yeah, of it, It's it's trickling over into the main screen now. When you yep. talk to most sports marketers, or so marketers Channel Seven general, started to get into that. Yeah, and, they've they've launched their show. Um, uh, what's it? Game, play. Uh, doesn't matter what. We'll yeah, Excuse yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just that uh, they've got Clive, uh, Dickens down there, sort of pushing a lot of that. Pushing stuff, that. And he understands it. the space, and it's an audience that you can't traditionally reach through a lot of channels. I mean, you might not be able to get in front of and. They've, got, they've naturally flocked to Twitter for years before we started talking to them because it's okay. this open channel. People are playing the same games sort of internationally. Um, and we work, do a lot of work with uh, Riot Games, who um, own League of Legends, which is the biggest p- p- participation eSport. And that drives huge amounts of conversation. They run their own DM groups. They... Huddle around in the conversation and Again because of the open nature of Twitter They can find other people interested in these sports Who they've never met in real life There's no request to follow or um, to be followed back But they can just engage when these tournaments are happening And uh, about a month ago we actually ran Our first full live experience for them So um, League of Legends ran something called League of Origin Which they had teams from Queensland, New South Wales And Victoria and New Zealand And they actually played off in a sort of state of origin uh, tournament And we actually ran 18 hours of live live footage um, on Twitter. And the numbers were phenomenal. They, it went off a chart and the conversation was phenomenal. And it's something we see with a lot of live sports. We saw it with the Melbourne Cup when we streamed it back in last November, that when you have the content and commentary in the same place, they have this really nice symbiotic relationship. But the more people who are watching the live content come through on the platform, the more people who start tweeting about it. The more people who start tweeting about it, the more of their followers who actually sort of follow the path and come back and start watching that content live on Twitter. So, it's, yeah, it's a really exciting opportunity for us. It's always been uh, sort of a, a live platform. It's always been sort of a stadium in your pocket. But now we've got to the stage where we're not going in and competing with sort of the big rights owners. We're not going up against the Telstra's of the world and the Fox Sports of the world and the Optus's, the guys who have these big sort of rights agreements. We're trying to be complimentary. We're trying to take their content to a bigger audience and maybe an audience who they wouldn't find through their traditional pay subscriptions or they wouldn't find who are tuning in to TV on a sort of Saturday night to watch the game. Suddenly we can find these people in a mobile-first environment and somewhere they can get sort of an, almost an alternative commentary and have their voice heard. Yeah, and it's a way to market too
1: for are some sports that maybe haven't had um, broadcast coverage, who get overlooked by the major networks or even Fox Sports, yeah. uh, it's a it's a low cost. There's no big. Uh, barrier there is it if they want to talk to you and, and do some deal about getting some of their content absolutely up on the platform. Yeah. So
0: we can do it in a partnership, or we've got a tool called Periscope Producer, mm-hmm. which means they can pretty much just jump on and be streaming in HD straight live into tweets. Okay. And especially when we talk about sort of the esports side of things and a younger generation, they're all really comfortable doing that themselves and broadcasting their game playing mm-hmm. or broadcasting their own sort of highlights and sort of pushing out to the world. So we're just trying to make it as frictionless for them to take that live experience out into Twitter
1: yeah yeah the um what are some of the i guess is the the sports traffic obviously is significant on weekends yeah that's when it's that's the sort of serious business when uh, when a lot of the events are live
0: yeah there's a there's a build-up so the conversation starts on twitter a lot longer before the first bounce or kick-off. As soon as team news is announced. Say, we see it in Origin a lot. As soon as the team news comes out, that sees our first spike in conversation. And then there's movement around that, and then people start getting excited. So there is a pretty sort of big build-up in terms of where the conversation comes. And then there's a sort of spike as as the competitions happen. But it differs in different sports. Something like AFL, where there's so much action and um, so many sort of goals kicked and so many points sort of happening, that it's actually it's actually hard to sort of live tweet and go along with it. But soccer, is uh, there's sort of fewer big sort of spike moments, so there's a lot more conversation around that. So we see people react and sort of tweet more actively depending on the sort of sport they're watching.
1: Okay. This one's always interested me, hashtags. Yes. Is there a Twitter sort of standard um, for, for if you do a hashtag for a match or a game or something? talk us through that because there do seem to be different variations and
0: and and that's the sort of the big issue is the variation because <laughs> uh, hashtags are designed to sort of, organize a conversation yep. to bring all these disparate um, tweets into a single place where you can watch an event unfold and sure. get the full picture from sort of 360 degrees on it so it's like it's just about being consistent and we s- sometimes see with brands and leagues and organizations that they'll try and make it a bit elaborate they'll try mm-hmm. and put maybe a sponsor's name okay. ahead of the hashtag and that sort of alienates you a lot. discourage
1: people. that i guess because we it,
0: want them to use the hashtags that people are naturally going to use yep. so hashtag Origin. So no one else is going to want to have a hashtag with a sponsor's name in it? Well, no one's right? going to use it. No. No one's going to go out there. It's not a particularly branding So you could put that in
1: your tweet if you want to, but maybe 100%. don't put it in your hashtag. Yeah, right?
0: it just gives you a way to really credibly enter a conversation, mm-hmm. and that tweet can have whatever sponsor's content you want. But you want the vast majority of people who can sort of organically use it in a tweet, so it makes sense semantically. You don't want something that takes up half your tweet count, and you have to (laughs) remember what it says. Um, So it has to either just be about the code, or they're pretty standardized now, so you see all the NRL and AFL games have their... X team versus The abbreviations X team. for each yeah. team. The that's first team is usually the, home, the team home team in the clash. Is that right? Same as ha- you'd see in the top right-hand score, yes. score box on when you watch it in broadcast. So, right, yeah, okay. that's the format that pretty much everyone's expected. And then when it gets around to your World Cups or your State of Origins or your Lions tours, then you're fine to include one sort of tour or event hashtag that loops them together. But we wouldn't recommend more than sort of two or three hashtags per tweet. Sure. Basically, you're just giving people an opportunity to click away to a conversation you may no longer be part of, so so yeah. um, make them clear, make them easy to use, and then just make them consistent. And the, the best way to start is to see what people are already using and then see how you can bring that into your brand. And don't overthink it because that's what you want. You just want the biggest sort of collective conversation, the biggest sort of collective intelligence using the same hashtag. The, and for a lot of international
1: um, fixtures, particularly in cricket, um, there's the three-country code abbreviation is usually um, yep. the hashtag. And again, the home team will be first. They're and then, pretty, then you use the V, or is it sometimes people drop the V sometimes? Yeah, so
0: I mean, it's pretty mean. standardised. Um, and we see a lot of, sort of the social media managers, marketing managers, will have that conversation ahead of time because yes. having two opposing teams both using the same hashtag becomes sort of greater of the sum of their two parts, if you know what I mean. That the conversation will become a lot bigger as long as they're both being consistent. So uh-huh. we see something like the... The Lions Tour, we had the All Blacks and the Lions both sort of agreeing on mutual hashtags they were going to use in order to get both of their audience to use it to make that noise a lot louder.
1: Okay. Sports emojis. Yes. Um, first of all, the country flags, are they always there if you've got a hashtag or they only, they're only they only there for certain yeah, times? Yeah, we,
0: we turn them on and off for certain events. Okay. So um, it's something we do with our partners. So right now... Um, up the Blues and Queenslander have their okay. own sort of hashtags, and then um, hashtag Origin has its own uh, emoji during um, the it, couple of days, either side of match times, and then something like the Rugby League World Cup each country will have its own sort of okay. emoji that might be something that represents them or it might be a flag. We like to leave it pretty open. And again, the Lions now, if you'd use hashtag um, All Blacks, you get a little guy doing a harka And then if you do hashtag um, uh, Lions NZ 2017, you get a little Lions jersey. So it's something that we... Um, Bring in and out, and we don't tend to leave them on sort of season long because it is a bit of an engineering drain on us having sort of all the emojis sort of coming and going. So oh, understood. We tend to do them around the big events.
1: Yeah, and where's the best place for people to check on that if they want to know? Sort of, is there a place they can go? Is there a Twitter sort of? There's a Twitter
0: blog. So, yep. anytime we release a new uh, emoji, we have a sports blog. So, was oh, a sport dedicated sports yep. blog. yeah. Okay. We did probably the most recent ones. I um, mean, follow Twitter Sports at Twitter Sports AU. Okay. Um, we recently launched some for the Australian Women's Cricket team, the first time that female athletes had their own sort of personal emojis which was great for us and it's great to see them going such good guns. Um, but yeah the, we've got a Twitter blog, we've got a Twitter sports blog but I think at Twitter, at
1: Twitter Sports AU is the best place. Yeah, you mentioned the Lions a couple of times in this discussion. I've been lucky enough; I've just spent uh, a few weeks working from the UK, Fantastic. and I just couldn't believe how big that story is in the UK. The Lions. I mean, it's front page news. Well, it's just it's... just their performance. I, I've never really appreciated it from here. Yeah, you know how how big that Lions um, tours are back in the UK.
0: Well, it's, you have to sort of understand the it's very rare that we get a chance to all come together as Great Britain and Ireland. Mm. That rarely happens. Usually in current political sphere, there's never been felt quite so divided and people moving in separate locations. So it's so nice for England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales can all have something together and collective to cheer about. And all the teams have been very well represented. They've all um, pulled together. And it's, yeah, it's almost like an all-star team that we only get the treat of once every four years. And Mm. the, Chance to play the All Blacks only comes around once so in 12 years. And yeah. growing up in the UK and Ireland, the All Blacks were our Brazil. Yes, everyone looked up to them. They were just mystical team that everyone right. was fascinated yep. about. And yep. they sort of transcend normal rugby fans. The, the Harker's so magic, the whole atmosphere, and everyone knows what a sort of important, imposing, sort of mystical team the All Blacks are. So, yeah, it's great that you got to see it sort of firsthand. Mm. I was lucky enough to go over um, two weeks ago for the first test. Okay. So we didn't get a result, but it was phenomenal out there it was so well-natured and the locals uh, all the keys were so happy to have the lions in town and so excited and it's it's an incredible sporting atmosphere because you'll get a six-year-old kid tell you that um they're they're going to run rings around you for the x y and z reason and then you'll have an 80 year old lady telling you your pack's not up to scratch and it's just such yeah. a knowledgeable team out there and it's it's yeah it's been an amazing atmosphere
1: yeah and i guess this tour is timed perfectly for the uk because the the football season's over there, yep. and uh, cricket's on, but cricket's not as not a giant sport for for yep. media coverage really in the UK. And um, but yeah, just I couldn't believe it. Just live crosses to training through all the news bulletins, you know, while they're in New Zealand live. In the news uh, updates, um, when the games are on, even the non-rights holders are updating the audience every time there's a score change, and it's just yeah. incredible. You know?
0: And we've actually and got a chance. To nick papers it. are
1: all over. There must be a massive press to pack touring with the Ingl- the Lions over there. But well, that's it's a just- pretty good junket, I
0: imagine. Like, you're not going to turn that one down,
1: <laughs> especially for they're only down there what every 12 years, exactly. as you said. So yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a rarity, isn't it? Um, Tell me about the demos of sports fans Is there a sort of The the sort of uh, presumption might be That it would be mainly guys In their, I don't know what, early 30s Something like that, late 20s Is that... Is that um, a misconception on my part, or is there
0: I know that's I mean that's always going to make up the bulk of it, but okay. we actually skew quite a lot younger, especially okay. when we see we bring live sporting events and live updates to the platform we're seeing that's how people are more comfortable hitting that younger demographic. We' uh-huh. probably the guys who are engaging and interacting with sporting content on Twitter skew a fair bit younger than the traditional guys who are watching NRL AFL at the At the stadiums or sort of on TV. So you'd probably be surprised about how young we skew in terms of that. And in terms of demographics, being Australia, it's pretty much 50 50. So we see some of our most vocal sort of sports fans are actually from sort of female Twitter users. So yeah, it's probably one of the few countries in the world where we're pretty split in terms of um, the sexes. And then yeah, we skew quite young.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, Administrators, do. Do is there a sort of do they find a reason to sort of um, reach out to on there? It's not just all about the teams and the players and, um, I, 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 yeah, just people running the sports behind the sports bodies. Do they you know? Because um, you talked about that, that cricket. Is there like? Um, Cricket Australia, do they have a more formal sort of
0: um, yeah, Twitter have, feed as well as the sort of they do. The they, fans? They sort keep of it one. separate. So they have yeah. um, a cricket feed. I can't remember it off the top of my head, sure. but it's more of a newswire. Okay. So it's more sort of press releases. It's official information. It's, yeah. um, it's quite busy at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, because uh, the cricket fans don't need sort of too much information around sure. that until it's sorted. But yes. they need to be kept informed. So they do throw to it every now and again. So there is a more sort of formal way of getting it out there. And you'll still get people using Twitter as its sort of traditional PR channel and good way to sort of get information out sort of ahead of the curve um, so yeah we we work with a lot of teams we work with media relations teams we work with uh, legal teams we work with um marketing teams and we work with the guys who are actually getting the people out onto the pitch
1: yeah and in terms of fans too you it's, sometimes you um you see fans there's lots of different levels of fans isn't there there's people who want to almost set up themselves as a as a quasi sort of um i don't know um platform for that sport and you sort of sometimes look at the handle and you think oh I wonder if that's official or not and which is where the blue tick comes in useful I guess yeah it it separates the sort of official apart from the super
0: fans but I guess a lot of those super fans are encouraged
1: because they still do promote the sport
0: yeah I mean the verification of the blue tick is designed to Avoid anyone um, being confused into the official personality. So uh-huh. they know this is an authority figure, they know they're tweeting or engaging with someone who's the person it was meant to be. So yeah. um, we, we use that process just to sort of validate their sort of um, appearance on Twitter. And then also any journalists or people in sort of your industry who have got a voice and they've got a need to have a sort of trusted source of information. Um, but yeah, we actually see. A study came out last year in terms of where the most passionate fans go, and although we don't have the scale of Facebook um, or the scale of sort of Instagram, we do have the most passionate sports fans coming to Twitter because they know they can watch eight games at once, and they know they can have their voice heard, and they know that Twitter gives everyone a voice. So we do see, in terms of the most passionate fans, that skews really heavily towards yes. Twitter.
1: Yeah. Now I sort of hesitate to ask you this next question because I think there's a lot of media beat up around it, but I've got to mention the word trolls, and because I mean. But, like, if there's an angry talkback caller on radio... Yeah. ..people put up with it, but if it's someone... You know, has a different opinion on Twitter they're sometimes branded a troll You know, oh, hang on a minute so, so but then there are nasty people that, that, that you don't what's your advice to maybe sports people who are a bit worried about oh look I'm going to you know how do I handle do I block people yeah. what do I do do I engage with them or do I let it go absolutely.
0: And, and you're absolutely right I mean if you go to any household or any pub in the country people will be shouting a telly if you go to any yeah, other game there's always two opinions isn't there yeah, you people know? will be shouting their opinions yeah. at the player's life yeah. Twitter just allows it in a sort of digital platform um and we've taken some really serious steps in order to make Twitter a sort of fun, secure, and safe place for our users and those sort of verified users and the sort of sports talent. So we've made it a lot easier to mute certain users, okay. so they won't know they've actually been muted, but they'll oh, okay. be they'll be spitting in the wind essentially. Their, their tweets won't be being read by that. Is sort that of user. better than
1: blocking someone?
0: It's a, it's another step. So if okay. you want to sort of just block them out, mute them out for a little bit if they're getting on your back, you can do that. Okay. We've also introduced um, keyword blocking. So you can go through and add a list of keywords that you just don't want to hear about. If there's oh, people using certain words that you just don't want to see in your timeline or there's mm-hmm. certain... So um, profanities or something, profanities you put them or, in and they're, they're all those tweets with that in it won't get through. Yeah, it? they won't get through to you. Okay. And then you can take the step of blocking and reporting people. And we have around-the-clock service of people who are actually sort of reviewing those people who are being reported and blocks. And if there are serious breaches of any of our terms or there are people being sort of abusive or threatening on the platform, which we completely don't stand for, okay. then we've got measures to remove those users. Right. And what would happen then? Someone would get a warning, would they, that do, they it, could have their privileges taken away it as a have user? To, or? I mean, it doesn't have to be a warning. We don't okay. have a strike system. If they've broken our terms and conditions... But you decide the, they could go straight away or they could be warned could, or whatever, yeah, depending could, on the they case. they could be removed and have their accounts. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. What about... Um, Country by countries around the world, I mean, how does Australia rank in terms of um, your particular area of winter sports, you know, and and do you get many learnings off your colleagues in sports around the world and, and
0: vice versa, do you share stuff here with other markets. Absolutely. So there's a counterpart who does my job. We've got a guy in Latin America, we've got a guy in Mexico, we've got three or four people out in the States, um, UK, Japan, uh, Spain, so we're pretty well sort of represented and I mean Australia is one of the most vocal sporting communities in the world and it's amazing for such a small country that we punch so hard and that it's, I still find it phenomenal that you guys manage to keep up with so many sports and everybody. People you speak to, they follow four or five professional teams. That's the absolute norm. Um, But it doesn't always translate because American sports coverage is very different to Australian sports coverage. But we do see a lot of imports. We see a huge amount of conversation in Australia around American sports. The NBA, the NFL um, drives massive amounts of conversation. Um, And then we look at someone like Japan, who does things pretty differently. And they actually live broadcast sort of high school softball (laughs) live on Twitter. Because that has, it's almost like college, uh, NBA, college basketball in the States. It has that sort of raw emotion in it. And it does huge numbers, because they love that side of it. So, yeah, we very much work um, across different countries. But what will work in the UK um, won't necessarily work over here. So we always sort of share learnings. But we're also getting to the stage where we're working with partners like vpl or cricket australia who cricket australia's content is going to be of real interest sort of this uh australian summer uk winter so how can we actually stitch that up and how can we work together and how can we be smart about monetizing uh australian broadcasters content in other markets and that's a much bigger piece of the pie than just talking to the australians so yeah we're very much plugged in and we talk about the shared pain points the, the, the shared wins and how we can make these sports more sort of global
1: yeah um, you mentioned the revenues there and advertisers. Do, can advertisers come to you and say, ''Look, I've got a product we'd like to reach out to a sports audience?'' And can you help them with that, or do they really need to go to somebody who's got sports rights and then
0: link up with their social there? No, it works. It works both ways. So we're working with a lot of the sports organisations who are really keen to monetise that content, and we've been working with sort of the top two hundred advertisers in Australia for four, four and a bit years now. Okay. So we're able to go to them and say, hey, we've got this great um, set of series of content coming up, or we've got um, always on content that they're looking to monetise, or we've got this fantastic audience that you want to be against. So we can then take that opportunity. And plug them together. We've got a product called Amplify, which, um, say, for a great example is we do a lot of good work with Channel 7. They're a fantastic partner of ours. And right now with Wimbledon, they're sort of live tweeting great highlights. And then as people are coming on first thing in the morning, they're doing wrap-up videos. As you get that tweet promoted into the timeline, you get an advertiser pre-roll ahead of it, which pays for that content to be amplified out to a much bigger audience. And then we go into a revenue share sort of with Channel 7 as a rights holder yep. for that advertising budget. So. Okay that's one way of working and then absolutely we get um, brands coming to us and say we would love to be around x and y sports or we'd love to reach this audience or we love this athlete and everything he stands for what can we orchestrate and then we've got a great case to go and work with that team athlete or organization and say hey there's money on the table to amplify your content and take it to a bigger audience and we can drive incremental cash into you
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Look, I want to ask you a little bit about the Premier League, and I'm certainly no expert here, and so I'm talking as a real novice. But it looks when I go on casually to look around, it looks, it's, it seems to be. there's no system. Like some clubs seem to be big on it, others don't seem to do much at all. Is there? It doesn't seem to have been adopted there as much as it maybe has been in some other codes. Would that? Would I be right?
0: Mm, I wouldn't or, agree with that at all. No, actually. I but think like they, there doesn't
1: seem any be system for hashtags for matches and things like that.
0: Um, there are their there hashtags is. on in broadcast. So they yeah. put the, when the games are on TV, they have the hashtag included in there during yeah. the half shows. They pull in like the clubs
1: tweets. don't always seem to use those hashtags or uh, or is it sort of am I maybe? I
0: Think you've Not maybe up to date yeah. Jump in at the beginning of the season okay. Now's a great time to sort of review that yeah. As we get the okay. sort of transfer rumours coming out yes. And the, the fixture list has been released And all the rumours are coming uh-huh. So now you'll see just how active they are And the players right. are incredibly active on the platform Um BT Sports and Sky Sports are very active on the platform and then great personalities like Gary Lineker, sort of the anchor man for sort of British Soccer. Yeah, he's, he's great, isn't he? He's, he's a, fantastic. He's, a, he's unfiltered. <laughs> he would talk about his audience and there's some great moments where you see him react on screen and then ten seconds later you mm. see his tweet pop up mm. echoing those sentiments. <laughs> so... I'd actually say the EPL are one of the strongest leagues in the world in terms of Twitter adoption they partnered with us I've a closer look at that they've started um, obviously there's huge amounts of money around the rights and they were traditionally quite protective over that but now we've got to a stage where they're actually tweeting a couple of highlights per game Okay. pushing them onto Twitter which is allowing sponsors to come on and sort of extend their reach when those users are on the Twitter yeah. um, and it's not just for clubs the amount of organic conversation that happens around the EPL uh, is absolutely phenomenal so I would say and that's just looking at the UK market then extrapolate that across um, into the US and across into Australia and then start talking about Asia and it just goes phenomenal
1: sure ok well I think I've finally got a team in the Premier League who are you going for people always ask me and I go, oh, I feel a bit crazy myself. Liverpool's now, got plenty I haven't got one room. you know well no, I, my son lives in Manchester and I spend a lot of time up there. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, well, I'm not going to go for Man United or Manchester City. It's, yep. it's, everyone does that. So Huddersfield are finally... Back or in the EPL? I don't know if they've ever been in the they first, haven't. first league before. Time
0: up in the top line. Um, I think
1: that they claim to fame is winning three back to back maybe FA Cups back in the twenties. Yeah. I, I think um, and they've had a
0: great promotion run. Yeah, so, so
1: I think Huddersfield are going to be my new team. Good I, man, I think that's And a good uh, my expectations are low, so yeah. but I think you know any game, any win is a massive. Um, yeah. You know.
0: Well, Leicester City had only been in the, yeah. the league a couple of yeah. seasons before they won it, so yeah, you know.
1: well they had a bit of a shocker, didn't they?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> the year after, but they, 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 they got been. up there, didn't they? Yeah fantastic. Now, okay, well, let's wind this up. Tell me a couple of the, the big events. You've know, you mentioned the Rugby League World Cup, I think, which yep. is coming up here, isn't it, um, after yes. the season?
0: Well, it's here in New Zealand and sort of Papua New Guinea, uh-huh. sort of um, starting October-November time. Yeah. Um, before that, Wimbledon's going great guns at the moment. moment yeah. And then we've got a couple of uh, more esports partnerships coming up. We've got a couple more um, wider sporting sort of live deals, which we'll be able to announce in the next couple of days. Um, and then we're through to final seasons for both the footy codes, which is big for us. Um, like I say, we've got um, Bathurst coming up, which we're looking to work really closely with those guys. Um, we've got those Netball um, alternative tournaments were coming up, which I think will really broaden the appeal of the sport okay. going through. Uh, Yeah, through to Melbourne Cup, and then we're into Ashes, and before we know it, we've got Australian Open again, so... Sure. Yeah, we will chuck a look.
1: Yeah, fantastic. All right, Ollie, look, it's been great um, getting you in here today. It's been uh, fascinating hearing about, you know, Twitter and the sports and all the possibilities of um, what you guys offer, and um, I'll be sure I'll I'll study the Premier League a bit harder now I've got a club, and... um, Good luck for the what, the Lions. Got one more game as we speak. This Saturday, they? yeah. This Saturday, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. We, yeah, good luck. We can nick it out there, yeah, on my side. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it's a great game.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.